Welcome to the Writer Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond. I'm back. And Larry Correa. Buenos dias. Today's episode, Networking. Everybody, welcome back to the Writer Dojo. Larry and I are super stoked to be with you. Remember, the Writer Dojo, everyone, is a podcast where we talk about all the cool stuff in, involving publishing, sometimes the craziness that's involved in publishing. It's a really small world. and uh, But really what Larry and I like to do is kind of just tell you how it is. You know, yeah. we give you our unfiltered truths. Yeah, and... Uh... We're going to be talking about marketing today and, and uh, networking specifically. Yeah. We've had a couple episodes before about going to conventions, uh, but Steve just recently got back from Gen Con, which is a huge one. Last night. I'm very tired. Yeah, he's, he's pretty wiped. And uh, he's going to go through some of the lessons learned and also applying some of the stuff we've talked about before. Also, before we get into this, I just realized I think this is our one year. This is one year of episodes, right? Dude. Happy one year anniversary. Yeah. I believe this is I believe this is one year. Is that where we buy each other jewelry? No. Is that I the one you, year I, I actually bought you a burrito before we recorded. Dude, that's way better than for jewelry. That's know, like right? way better than jewelry for me. Yeah. You know me. <laughs> that, that's the one year anniversary is I got I got my I got my co host a burrito. <laughs> if you if you ever need to know anything about me, everyone, it's that uh, uh, the way to Steve's heart is tacos. Oh, this and is a Mexican chur- food. Chorizo breakfast. Uh, burrito. So, okay. So, so before we get into Are we this, doing the, okay. <laughs> I'm going to, okay. Larry and I had a miscommunication earlier today. Um, when, when I go to conventions and when I go on trips, equally as important as doing all of that, you know, businessy, businessy crap, it's where is Steve going to eat? Okay. I love, I love going into new places and eating new, new foods. Um, and the joke that Larry and I have is I can't listen to Larry's food recommendations because Larry's enthusiastic about all food. I, I, I eat food at all levels of food. And I, I, I love everything from a roach coach, you know, like just, in, you know, <laughs> C minus on the health department. And it costs $1.99 and I'm happy as can be. Or I'll go to a five-star Michelin starred uh, restaurant, you know, not five-star, but I'll go to, a, you know, Gordon Ramsay that night and I'll be equally happy at either one. So my friends do not trust my food recommendations. No, we don't. We don't. But but here's the great thing, though. No matter where we go, we know Larry's going to be cool. That's true. And that's, and that's actually a supreme benefit when, when there's like large party situations. We, we've actually gone out with other writers that are nitpicky eaters, mm-hmm. and it's just disgusting. It's just it's disgusting. Me. They're so weak. You know, they're, <laughs> they're, the, they're those monsters that order their steaks like, well done. Oh, man. There's actually probably one of the most famous authors in America who Steve and I both know, oh. and he gets his steak well done. It's, it's so sad. With, like, ketchup. It's so sad. It's so gross. Every time someone orders a steak well done, an angel dies. But anyway, this this episode so, is about. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Larry and I were talking about stuff, and uh, and I just got back from Gen Con. And one of the awesome things about Gen Con is there's a ton of restaurants right in the area, mm-hmm. and oddly enough, some pretty freaking awesome ones. Well, on the last night, we ate one. We ate at one restaurant. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, Tap House or something like that. Anyway. We go there, it's me, it's Howard Andrew Jones, and Sean Korsgaard from Bain. And we're all just having a good time. You know, we're giving each other high fives because we had a freaking awesome conference. 
spoiler alert, I had a good Gen Con. And, uh, and we're getting there and we're eating food. Um, I chose the place because it had Nashville hot chicken sandwiches and I wanted one. Um, for all of those of you who live in Tennessee, it was not up to your standard. Um, but for my Utah standard, it was pretty high. So anyway, we go there, we get that. And Howard orders this, this like pork sandwich burger. I don't even know what the frick it was. But he orders it. It sounded pretty good. It's like this really fancy, uh, this, this really fancy pork in it. And, and it had like blueberry ketchup on it. And none of us had ever heard of that before. Sounds weird. And it had like spicy candied bacon and some cheese and stuff. I think some caramelized onions. It sounded really, it sounded really interesting. And so Howard got it. And by the end of the con, like, I mean, we'd been sleeping in the same room for, for like four nights. So, you know, if we were going to get germs from each other, we already had them. So we were just like sharing all of our food and stuff. And he, and he cut off a couple pieces of this burger for us to try because he was, he was making all of the, the inappropriate sounds that I can't make on this show. <laughs> and so he hands them over to me, hands over a piece, and I take a bite and I immediately die. Like it's, it was one of the best sandwiches I'd ever had. So anyway, so I'm telling Larry about this at the same time where he's asking me what I wanted for food for dinner. And I'm just stopping at a cheap burrito place yeah. that's on the way. And I'm like. To where we record. And so I'm talking about a burger, but I'm also saying, hey, get, you know, a chorizo burrito. And Larry thinks I say, I want a breakfast, a, a chorizo breakfast burger. And we both kind of stopped and looked at the text, realized there's a miscommunication. But. I got super excited. I was like, who's got this? Where? Oh, I will get, I, I want one. And, and apparently you read the, you read the, tw- the text out loud to your wife and did, she was yeah. pretty stoked. And she's like, well, who's got a chorizo breakfast burger? And of course, the first thing I think is, I need to make this. And dude, I'm already formulating a recipe <laughs> and a method to make this happen. Dude, I'm pretty stoked. I'm going to make this. Well, so next time we gather to record, Steve will report on the uh, on the status yeah. of the chorizo uh-huh. breakfast burger. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited, I'm everybody. This sounds awesome. So anyway. One year. And One year, dude. Yes. So like, this is the sound of us giving giving ourselves self-high fives. That was Woo! a virtual high five for you yeah. guys. Yeah. You know, we're very excited. Uh, seriously, though, like a year. We've been doing this a freaking year. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And we haven't run out of topics yet, which is kind of nuts. No, there's a billion things we haven't even talked about yet. That's true. Well, <laughs> let's get to it. I mean, <laughs> so what we're going to do is talk about something that we've already talked about before. Yeah, but you know, this, is, this is actually a really big topic, and we talk, we had two episodes before where we talked about attending cons as a professional and attending cons as an aspiring author and the different things you can get out of each one. And and if you haven't listened to those episodes, I recommend to go back and listen to those. Um, but Steve did Gen Con this year as a professional and also kind of a brand ambassador. Yeah. Uh, because Bayon hadn't had a presence at Gen Con for a while. And so we kind of went back and there was a couple of guys there that were authors of ours and uh, they were kind of going around and doing some business. So take it away, Steve. Right. So the last time Bain was there in any official capacity was 2018. And that's because, and and I'm not going to be shy about saying this because the, the new, okay. So there was a writing track. There was an author symposium is what they called it Mm -hmm. in ye olden days. 
back when Larry and I very first started going to Gen Con, because I think we went together for the first time in like 2012 so. or 2013 or yeah, something like that. Yeah, and then I went for like four, four or five years. Yeah. We kind of like, we would go, then we wouldn't go, then we'd go, kind of mm-hmm. like every other year. And then, it, but 27 and 18, we went back to back years. Um, because uh, Jim Mintz was there and Jim buys us good food. Yeah, so Jim, we always go with Jim. Jim's the man. Um, so we went and uh, at, in the beginning, there was a gentleman who was running the writer's symposium. His name was Mark Tasson. Wonderful guy. Just an awesome guy. Um, and I want to be pretty clear about something. Um, G- or, uh, Mark Tasson thinks about things, if you know, you know, Thinks about things very differently than the way you and I think about things. Oh, yeah. Politically? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But it didn't. It never mattered. It never mattered. And that's important. Okay? And, I, and I'm going to keep touching back on this as we, talk, as we go through this episode. And there's a good chance this episode could be, could be longer than the average bear. I don't know what that means. Anyway... So, uh, I'm on, I'm just, I'm subsisting on caffeine. I'm like the MacGyvered version of Steve right now, held, held together by duct tape and dental floss and chewing gum and caffeine. Mountain Dew. Yeah. There's literally one right in front of me. Um, so Mark Tasson was amazing. Yeah. Great tractor. And he like said, so I, I have no idea what Mark's politics were. Never mattered. Uh, Mark was the kind of guy who would just have great writers come out and he'd, he'd let us talk. And teach classes and have panels. And it was actually a lot of fun and very educational and very valuable for a lot of people. Well, and he was super organized. Oh, he did you a very good job. remember that crap, man? Yeah. I mean, look, okay. What, what, you, what you guys are going to understand, for those of you who are actually professional authors listening to us, and you've done this, you've gone to panels, you've gone to cons, and you know that like 70 to 80% of the time, it's it's going to be like like a, a freaking miracle if you get your yeah, schedule in it's advance. It's a cluster. It's a total. Mo- most of these, most of these uh, con comms or whatever the heck they call them, they're made by volunteers. So one, cut them a little slack, but also just understand what you're signing up for. Yeah. Well, Mark retired. Yep, he retired. And uh, and two people we shall not name. Plus, I can't remember their names anyway. Oh, I remember their names. Oh, good for you. I, I don't. They And so it was taken over by two people mm-hmm. who were the antithesis of what it was before. And they they're, were- They're very bizarre, right? Cause, super woke. Because when you when you meet them in person, um, they're very friendly, actually. Oh, yeah. They stab you in the back, not the and front. That's the, and that's the problem. So, so in 2018, some shenanigans went down with Bane. Um, well, I guess where Bane was the victim of shenanigans, I should say. Um, yourself included, Larry. Oh, yeah. It was just ridiculous snubs. You know, stupid snubs and... It was all politics. And, and lots of lots of crap being talked about and spread around. Because, um, you know, because all of you Bane readers out there know that that Bane's only a right-leaning uh, publisher. Yeah. Looking at, you know. It, this episode is in memory of Eric Flint. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Loved Eric. So at the time of this recording, Eric's been gone for just a couple of weeks now. Um, uh, again, very politically different. Couldn't be more different than us. Trotskyite communist. Yeah. yeah. But, and, and you knew him far better than I did. I um, really liked Eric. Eric was a good dude. Um, very respectful. Uh, in fact, I think, I think one of your biggest stories about him is, uh, 
Tony was basically like, hey, just don't talk with Paul. Don't talk about politics with him. Yeah, the very first con I was ever at where Eric Flint was there and I was a new guy and we were going out to dinner. It was the band dinner. So like, you know, 20 or 30 people at dinner and I was new and Tony Weisskopf grabs me and she goes, whatever you do, just don't sit by Eric Flint because, you know, she knew that me and Eric would just get into a big political argument, right? So I sit down. I get there before Eric does and I'm at the far end of the table. Eric Flint comes in, sees me, makes a beeline directly to my position, sits down right across from me and opens up with, I read that thing you wrote about such and such. Well, you're wrong and I'll tell you why. And we spent, and I looked at Tony Weisskopf like, is this okay? And Tony just kind of shrugged. She's like, go for it. And so I spent like the next two and a half, three hours arguing politics with Eric Flint. It <laughs> was like it, the first time we ever did anything together. <laughs> and it was respectful. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, he, it was heated, but it was. I loved Eric. He, he was a gentleman. When Eric when Eric came out here to Utah for a convention, oh, he yeah. got really sick and went yeah, up to the hospital. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And, and he kind of vanished because he had to go to the hospital real suddenly. And so uh, none of us knew where he was. So none of the people from Bay and we knew, nobody knew where he was. So what I did is I imperson and, and um, so hospitals won't tell you if somebody's there unless you're a relative. So hypothetically, Larry may have impersonated someone. Yeah, I may have impersonated Eric Flint's nephew. Hypothetically. Yeah, because that way we did have the same last name. Mm-hmm. You know, is like, uh, yeah. So his sister was my mom. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> hypothetically speaking, of course, for any law enforcement agents listening. Yeah, I would never actually do that to take advantage of the hospital system. But we found Eric through, through other means, and it was all good. Yeah. But, and again, so let me reiterate, the differences don't matter. Not, not, not unless people make them matter. And this is what happened at Gen Con in 2018 is a couple people forced the differences to matter. Yeah. It got really, really weird. Really, really annoying. It was really annoying. It was really messed up. Um, I was present for most of it. Uh, I remember having dinner with, with, or a breakfast with Jim the day the con ended and he was pretty, he was pretty bugged. I was pretty bugged. You were pretty bugged. Um, and, and we just never went back. Yeah. It was why, why is from a writer? Per, I mean, as a gamer perspective, you know, I, I could spend money on uh, miniatures market over on the internet, but I actually like going to Gen Con to game and socialize that kind of thing. Well, and I like spending the money with the vendors. Yeah. My money goes to them directly. Oh man. I drop a thousand bucks every morning. Easy. That was the running joke. Yeah. I had a thousand dollar budget for the last for the last one I went to, and I spent that by like noon the first day. Yeah, good days. Oh, I spent like oh. I spent like three grand, guys. Good. Not even a joke. Good days. And oh man, my wife's gonna listen to this episode. <laughs> it was a few years ago. It's okay. It's like five years ago. Um, it's called a sunk cost, Larry. We're accountants. Yeah, it's over now. It's too late. No, but I. Uh, but it was like if I'm gonna go to a professional convention for like um, networking purposes and and uh, marketing purposes and schmoozing purposes, why am I go, gonna go to one that's gonna like treat me like garbage? Yeah. And the thing is, it wasn't just us either with the wrong nope. politics. They did it with guys that had good politics, but they weren't vocal enough. They weren't cheerleaders. Yep. And they got drafted to be cheerleaders against their will. And I, I mean, these are not our stories to tell, so I can't. Nope. But, but these are people with more zeros on the end of their paychecks than us. Yeah. And so there's like writers who are all of a sudden, it's like, well, I'm going to be a guest at this place. And the next thing you know, this this con is like, well, if you are going to be here, you need to believe this. And even if they were like super liberal and did believe that, they're like, uh, no, you don't get to like just appoint me your spokesman for whatever your crap is. 
so they pretty much killed it though. It wasn't just it wasn't just this. I mean, yeah. they, they so so twenty nineteen was the last basically full year for Gen Con, you know, full blown because that thing happened in twenty twenty something uh, global pandemic. Something about yeah. something about a beer virus or something. I don't uh, know. A pangolin barfed on a sloth. I know that I mean, ate a bat. I watched I watched the movie yeah. Contagion. I know how it goes. Yeah, totally didn't escape from a lab. No, That's no crazy. way. That'd be nuts. Yeah. So, uh, we. 2020 and then 2021 happens and you know no 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 real gen con in either of those years and then uh and then a little bit after that uh this was late last year i believe i saw this announcement where they said hey the gen con rider symposium is is done we're not doing it anymore and i was equal parts i don't i don't know how you felt Larry, but i was equal parts like bummed out but a little relieved I wasn't surprised. Yeah. And they're still doing all sorts of dumb crap, mm-hmm. you know? And like they, they, this year they were advertising their racially segregated safe spaces, which was just like, wait a minute, didn't we like have a big thing like back before I was born to get rid of this stuff? Yeah, that's that seems <laughs> odd. It seems a little tone deaf to me. Yeah, they had the safe space, you know, and you had separate drinking fountains. That yeah. way, you know, so it was like the, so seemed, bad. No, it seemed oddly racist. Um but uh, a little bit later, I, okay, so, so I was, I'm a little bummed because I actually have quite a few good memories from the writer Symposium. Mm-hmm. You know, I was on quite a few, few panels. I met some great people. Uh, shoot, that's how I met, um, that's how I met Howard Andrew Jones, who, one of my favorite people. Who now, is, uh, now has a five-book deal yep. with Bay and Books. Yeah, we talked about this a few weeks ago that I couldn't, I couldn't say out loud who it was yet because it hadn't been announced, but I knew it was coming. Um, so yeah, Howard Andrew Jones, five book deal with Bane, sword and sorcery, baby. Very Heck cool. yes. Very cool. Um, and Howard's awesome. Freaking awesome. Um, again, thinks very differently than me, than me, but you know what? doesn't matter. Um, because we don't make it matter. So that's how I met Howard. I was on a panel with him and we just kind of looked at each other, gave each other kind of the the secret, like, like half nod, like, hey, you're okay. And then we went out and got food and stuff and the rest is history. Um, you meet really great people in, in these, in these conventions. Um, and so when I saw it was gone, I was, I was a little bummed because as we're going to talk about in the back half of this episode, why all of this networking matters. Um, and then like a few months after that, I see this post that Hey, just kidding. It is coming back, but it's run by different people. And Howard sent me a message and said, Hey, it's back. And there's different people involved. And I said, well, I'm honestly not sure I want to go. Like, don't get me wrong. I love going to the floor and spending money. My, my wife doesn't, but I, I sure love it. I think it's wonderful. Well, the last time I was there, I wasn't on any panels. I just... I know. You like, just walked around and spent money. I just spent money and played games the whole time. I actually was, had a great time. It was great. Yeah, I'm one of the... I was probably actually... I think, if I remember right, I was like the best-selling author at the convention, mm-hmm. and I wasn't on a single event. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of... I kind of told Howard what was up. Um, and then he... Uh, he started talking to some of the other people about it, and we found out that some of these guys had no idea. They had no idea what went down, which is pretty, 
I'm going to call it insidious because it means that there are people at the top making decisions that their subordinates were going to have to deal with later. I don't know. It's almost like there's a word for it. It's um, like socialism or communism. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so uh, what, what do I know? Um, well, somebody got the Yezov treatment and got photoshopped out of the, uh, out of the, out of the picture with Stalin. So it's all it good feels. now. So, you know, got out of it. Um, and, and they were like, Hey, no, like they don't know. They had no idea. And they're confused as to why Bain isn't coming. And so I said, well, okay, what does this mean? Well, I'm going to go back one. It's been a while since I've spent money on a show floor and I feel I was kind of jonesing for it, so to speak. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing the, the scratchy neck thing, the Dave Chappelle scratchy neck thing right now. If you can imagine it. Y'all, y'all get it, got any more of them board games? Sort of a thing. Y'all got any more of those RPGs? Uh, so, uh, so I decided to go and to be a brand ambassador. So, okay. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to continue this conversation and talk about what that means and what networking means for you. All Nick Ashton ever wanted to be was a good cop. Dominic Ashton is a rookie cop in the headquarters of Her Majesty's Imperial Police. Unfortunately, in an empire full of corruption, treason, and upheaval, that's one of the most corrupt organizations of them all. But Ashton is a straight shooter. Can he do the job he's trained to do without perverting his honor, or will crooked cops take him out instead? And what will happen when he's called upon to solve a case for the Empress herself? Empire, Imperial Police is Stephanie Osborne's first book of the Imperial Police Trilogy and Richard Wayans' popular Empire series. Empire, Imperial Police is available on Nook, Kindle, and trade paperback wherever fine books are sold. Pick up your copy today. And welcome back. Larry and I cleared our uh, allergy-ridden sinuses and uh, did the whole drink a bunch of Coke. And I don't mean that in the white powdery way. Um, in case you're listening, DEA, I get back, you know, I, so I decided to go to Gen Con to be a brand ambassador. Um, and I thought I was just going to be going by myself. And then Sean Korsgaard over at Bain, who's one of their new editors and kind of a social media dude, uh, all around good dude, um, also decides to come to kind of get the lay of the land and kind of talk to a bunch of the different companies that are out there about potential sub rights, which is a very cool thing. Um, you know, if, if even half of what went down at this convention comes to pass, all you, uh, glorious, wonderful Bane readers are going to be freaking stoked. Have we had an episode on subrights yet? I don't think so. We may have to. Okay. That, okay. That's maybe, a, maybe we'll talk about that that's in, a, in yeah, a later episode. We'll do that episode. in another episode. We'll Cause there's some, sub-rights. there's some cool possibilities there. Yeah. Um, all right. So fast forward several months. Um, I'm going back and forth with, with the con people and look, they know who I am. I've been doing this for a long time. Unfortunately, Gen Con is where my dirty little secret got out far and wide. That you're a really good moderator. That I'm a really good moderator. That's true. Um, look, I don't, I don't brag very often. You know, me I'm, I'm actually a fairly humble dude. Pretty kicked back. Pretty much. One of the things, one of the very few things that I will die on the hill is that I'm probably one of the best moderators out there. Agreed. How many panels did you wind up moderating this time? This time? Like eight? No, no. <laughs> I think I only did five. Oh, yeah. 
So most people will do one at an event. Yeah. Yeah. So one yeah, or I think two. I moderated four or five. I can't remember which. Yeah. Um, I think your record was like a dozen. We went yeah. somewhere one time. Yeah. Like, well, that was Gen Con. Yeah. I was, 2017 and 2018. Yeah. I had literally every panel. I had 12 and 15 in back-to-back years. The The final year I, um, I got <laughs> the black lung and couldn't moderate a couple. Um, except the Terry Brooks one, because I, I like Terry. Yeah. Terry's awesome. So guys, moderating five panels is a lot of panels to moderate. It takes a lot of brain power. Um, but we got through whatever. Anyway. So I specifically told them, I'm like, guys, I don't want to moderate that many panels. Like I'm kind of burned out from that. I've been doing at, at this stage of the game and I haven't even been doing this that long, Larry. I've probably, I've moderated hundreds of panels. Oh, easily. And it's friggin' tiring. It is. Because you've moderated too. I've done half of what you've done and it's still a butt kicker. So, uh, I'm going back and forth and they're telling me everything's cool and stuff. And I'm like, well, I'll be, I'll be the judge of that. So we get there. Um, there's like a, there's kind of a tradition of that spaghetti factory dinner mm-hmm. thing there. I go there. I almost got in a fist fight there once. I remember that. Yeah, long story. Long story. Oh, that guy. <laughs> Dummy. Oh, gosh. There's a... <laughs> what's the... What's the... Um, we won't diverge into that. I, uh, <laughs> what's the... What, what we do in the shadows quote? Effing guy. The effing guy. Um, <laughs> we're trying not to get demonetized. So... Th- I go to this, I go to this, this thing and, uh, and I end up, I'm not a huge fan of uh, spaghetti factory. I think their stuff is pretty mediocre. Um, so we are we're not going to be, because I've said that we're not going to be getting any, uh, spaghetti factory endorsements on this show. Larry. Yeah, I'm sorry it for us. Uh, we, but, we can still get Olive Garden if we're lucky. <laughs> oh, that place fills me with sadness uh, and, and, indigestion. Re- and regret and indigestion. So we... I go there, and I end up sitting next to Stackpole. Oh, good guy. Michael um, Stackpole. Yeah, great dude. Famous uh, author. Good dude. Written a lot of cool stuff. So anyway, all, all this is good, and, and I'm just talking with people, and I'm getting to know people. That's great. Get on some panels, doing my thing, and it's great. Uh, walking around meeting people, it's great. Um, here's what I learned about Gen Con. There's a new, there's a new sheriff in town there. His name is Seth. Um, again, doesn't think the same way as you and I. I'm pretty sure, politically speaking, he's fairly leftist. Um, but the guy is really, really cool. And he actually cares. And uh, I, he asked for a bunch of feedback from me. Um, well, he asked for the whole story from me, and I gave him the whole story, uh, including some of the stuff we haven't talked about. Uh, oh yeah, there's a the lot show. of stuff we don't talk about <clears throat> on the air. Yeah, no. And then, uh, and then I, and then as the con was going on, I was giving him day by day feedback. And at the end of the show, I looked at him. I just said, "Dude, you did awesome. Like you pulled this. I mean, this this symposium was dead, like dead, dead, and not in a cool, sexy way. Like it was dead, dead. So, and he pulled it out, and with a couple volunteers." stitched it back together, very Frankenstein or, you know, very Nightmare Before Christmas and, and got it going and it's all good. Um, probably the biggest problems I saw with the, with the symposium as is, 
is that they just didn't have enough big authors. It was mainly small authors. Uh, the big guest of honor was uh, was Salvatore. Oh yeah, yeah, Bob Salvatore. Um, and he's he's a good dude. Um, he, uh, I mean, a lot. Of, I, I I when I when I think back on things, his the writing and his action scenes are probably some of the first action scenes that really blew my mind in a fantasy setting. Uh, it was inspirational for me. He was one of the ones I started reading in high school that I, like really kind of struck me as like, yeah. I think we even mentioned that in the action, mm-hmm. in the, one of the action episodes. Uh, yeah, Bob Salvatore's, um, I want to say it was the third book of that series, like Halfling's Gym of, mm-hmm. of, the, of the first trilogy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He has like a 45-page fight scene at the end, like a, like a sword fight at the end that was just so baller. And you don't like, <laughs> you're not, it's not like a Michael Bay movie. Where you're just bored by the by the explosions at the end. No, no, you like, just like you didn't. Come it was up gripping at the time. Yeah, and I remember reading that in high school. I was like, wow, I want to write action like this. So yeah, so Bob Salvatore is actually one of those uh, uh, examples for me when I was a aspiring author. Me too, me too, and and I ended up uh, moderating him. I ended up surprise moderating him a couple times. Oh um, yeah, you gotta love when it turns out you're the moderator at the yeah. last second. Now, fortunately for everyone involved. Uh, it was me that was oh. there. Uh, one of the kindest things anyone's ever said to me after moderating a panel came from, of all people, Bob Salvatore's wife. She came up to me after the panel and said, uh, she's like, hey, Steve, that moderation job you did up there and spur of the moment, that was one of the finest, like the finest panels I've ever seen my husband moderated on. And I, and and at first I was kind of like, oh, well, thank that's cool. And then the kind of the gravity of that hit me. And I'm like, how many, how many thousands of panels has she seen her husband on? The dude's been doing this since the 80s. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not going to lie, guys. Like, look, as a, as a young author and stuff, uh, and, and I'm sure even big experienced authors like yourself, Larry, like something like that's important to you. Oh, yeah. Totally. You know, when someone says something that kind to you, it matters. Um, so anyway, whole con goes by. Uh, I end up on a panel with someone who is super despicable. Um, and I buried them in kindness, just like a true Steve serial killer would. I'm not going to go too much far into that. Um, but it was really cool. Now, what does this, what's the whole point of, of me of story time with Steve today. Oh, by the way, for all of you who are my first, my first edition of story time with Steve on this podcast was the Halloween episode where I talked about the shark story. Oh gosh. That's, yeah. So, okay. A few things on this, everybody. I'm not sure if I should giggle or be terrified at the sheer number of shark memes that you send me. Um, I ended up on a panel with Maurice, mm-hmm. Maurice good, Brodus. Good dude. Um, one of the guys that, that we just, we just love talking to at pan, at cons. He, he wrote a story for me in the Monster Hunter Files. Yeah. Awesome. Great guy. And he, he, he self-describes that, um, anytime he writes a a short story, he looks at the editor and he's like, now, you know, this is going to be the blackest version of that story you've ever seen. Right. (laughs) And, and you know what? Cause Maurice is so, he's such a nice guy and he's a talented talented writer um you just shrug and you go man maurice you do you you're awesome i uh, like he's he's a he's a cool dude. such a great guy um so i tell my story 
about the shark thing on a horror panel that I'm on with him. And then it it's his turn to talk and he just looks at me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, no, what were you doing? <laughs> He's like, my son tried to get me to go into one of those shark cages. And I'm like, he, he goes, he goes, boy, I'm a black man. You know, we can't do that sort of thing. <laughs> I was dying. Dude, he's so funny. Um, just just a wonderful, wonderful guy. He was actually on the panel uh, when I first met Jim Butcher, and me and Jim became friends. Well, we actually, like, so I'd met Jim, like, earlier that day, and uh, it was the first time I ever met Jim, and we were on a panel at one point, and people Wait, were, did you meet did you meet Jim Butcher at a Gen Con? I did meet Jim at a Gen Con. At, that, at the one where he was the guest of honor? Uh, maybe, yeah, probably. I didn't know. I didn't realize that's that when you met him. That was the first time we ever met, yeah. Oh, okay. No, we're good friends. And he was, uh, so we were on a panel together about doing magic systems. And Maurice was up there and he was talking about how, uh, like, because he was writing urban fantasy. He yeah. put the urban and urban. And because some people <laughs> was always talk about using different, like, technological things in your magic systems. And and uh, Maurice is like, you know, got, like I'm writing about these kids in an urban environment. Like, they don't have access to a lot of this technology. You know, at most it might be, you know, Twitter. We're going to do, like, Twitter uh, Twitter magic. And I, and I look at down the, on the thing and I go, oh, Tweedomancy. And I said that. And then we all laugh cause it's so stupid. But then every author up there started thinking of like the ramifications of Tweedomancy. So Jim Butcher is a, down a few spaces, picks up his water cup and throws it at me and hits me with his water cup and goes, damn it, Korea. <laughs> cause, I, cause I put the idea of Tweedomancy in his head. Oh, no. That was actually, yeah, so the first, that was the first thing I ever did with Jim was that. But, uh, no, that's I, cool. No, I know. I've been that's a, lot a of cool really story. Cool, I've met a lot of really cool people there. I'm really glad that they've got their crap together again. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Well, and, and here's why this matters, guys. Okay, th- think about a, couple, a few of these stories that we've just shared, okay? Larry met Jim Butcher, like in person for the first time at Gen Con. Yeah, he's a stud. Great I, guy. I met, I met uh, Howard Adger Jones the same way. Yeah, and you guys are friends. Now. We're really good friends now. I, I know mean, Howard a little bit. He's just and, like a and you really know Howard, guy. he's so awesome. Yeah. Like, I mean, we went out to dinner that that one Gen Con. It was me, you, and Christine Haggerty, mm-hmm. uh, and and Howard obviously. And Howard was Howard still talks about that. He's like, man, he's like, that's one of my favorite Gen Con memories. The four of us just sitting around because yeah, we turned out we're all Robert ball. E. Howard fans. All of us were, and we all love action. Yep. I mean, in all the contexts. Yeah, we all started. We I remember we all started like reminiscing on our favorite uh, on the favorite uh, Robert E. Howard stories. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And so it's when you go to conventions, you tend to meet people. You, you end up. I, I don't know. There's there's this gravity. There's this gravity around you as a person, as an author. Your gra- the gravity of you, not to be confused with some weird romance movie. Y- you tend to start. You tend to start being drawn towards people who are kind of like you. Or who are just good people, like you're a good person. I mean, shoot that. I mean, I mean that's me and you. Yeah, well, that's um, how we met at we met at a convention. Yeah, that's literally how it happened. We met at a convention. Yeah, it's interesting because like and like like the the downfall of a lot of cons over recent years have been people who are against friendship. <laughs> right, <laughs> they're against people talking to each other. It's so bizarre, and so they will go out of their way to ban and segregate and uh, keep everything separate and push people apart. And they, there's, there's just like, you are different than me, then I'm unsafe and you are not allowed. 
And they've done that and got away with it so many places that it's just it's killed a lot of cons or it's made a lot of cons awful. Or it's like like this. They stymied this one briefly. And don't get me wrong. They still have all sorts of problems because that kind of stuff, guys, it's a cancer. Yeah. And if you let it in, it just starts to spread. And they'll be like, oh, no, we're just here to do nice things and and, and uplift people. And, and no. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because, because no one if buys you were. Because if you were, then then your policies would, would reflect such. Um, I, I can't even, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even say strongly enough how anti, um, well, I guess friendship. I know I sound like a Care Bear all of a sudden. <laughs> Care Bear stare, Larry. Uh, I, I can't, I, I just can't say strongly enough how anti-friendship and how anti-community some of these people are. Yeah. Science a- fiction and fantasy is supposed to be about bringing everybody with different beliefs and different viewpoints and stuff together to create something better than us. Well, it should be a big tent. It's a huge tent. And, and, should be. And the thing is, they try to make it a very insular tent. And the thing is, whenever they do that, inevitably they choke the life out of it, including the people that are on their side. First, those, first they get rid of the people that are the outsiders. Like they, they, they chop us off first. But then once we're gone, they, they can't stop. Mm-mm. And they just keep coming. So then they turn on the people who are like nominal allies, but you're not enough of a cheerleader. And then they, they turn on those people and well, they got to keep going. And I, and I think it's a viewpoint issue. Um, you know, I, you and I, again, to use, you know, math terms and, uh, and accounting terms, cause we can't help ourselves. Uh, there's too many of them that feel that the industry is a zero sum game. Oh, absolutely. Rather than the idea that by working together, we can increase the size of the pie and all attain success. Yeah. In fact, it's weird because it's a fundamental philosophical belief difference between two groups of people here. Uh, and there's one where it's like, if I drive everyone else out of the industry, I can't help but win. These people look at others and it's like, if that person has success, they've taken that success from me. If that person made a dollar, clearly that's a dollar that I should have had. And so what it is, if you give people like that any sort of authority, oh my gosh, it's just the worst thing ever. Well, I- I was talking about this with with several gentlemen who I met from from a few different board game companies and uh, in a new podcast that I discovered um, because of meeting these guys called Rogues in the House. Uh, they're they're super huge into sword and sorcery, which is great because it turns out turns out you and I, Larry, we really like sword and sorcery. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, well, basically uh, that's what Servants of War was, except yeah. with you know big golem suits. Exactly, and uh, and I was talking with them. I ended up. I ended up like accidentally, not realizing it, uh, invited to a to a kind of a, a party mixer thing, whatever. Saying the word mixer is really weird when you're Mormon. <laughs> yeah. Because I go there and people are like, "Yeah, drinks," and I'm like, "Yay, Sprite." Yeah, you're and you're and you when you're religious like that, you just wind up as the designated driver for every event. So many times you and I have been the designated driver. Oh, dude, for, for, for books. And before that, when I was in the gun business, I go to SHOT Show. I was just designated driver for Las Vegas for a week. Well, I was, remember, uh, remember, uh, San Diego world fantasy. Oh, 
Okay, this is a funny story. I don't Jim think we've told this on the air. Oh, who was? What was the other guy? It was, uh, uh, it was um, jo- uh, Joyce Graham Joyce. Graham Joyce. Yes. Before he did, before he passed away. And another author we probably shouldn't name because no. I don't think he should have been drinking. Um, but so I uh, I was there right. with my uh, Ford Taurus. I had driven to back many years ago. I drove a crappy Ford Taurus, and we drove all the way to San Diego. Me and Steve to crash this World Fantasy Con. Uh, we weren't really guests or anything. We were noobs. Ran into Jim Mins, my editor. Howard Andrew Jones was there. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's just funny. That's cool. And so Jim Mins was like, hey, I want to, he's like, wait a minute, you're you're here and you got a car? Everybody else flew in. I go, yeah, I got a car. <gasps> he's like, you're Mormon. You don't drink. I was like, no. <laughs> and he's like, you want to be my designated driver? And so the next thing I knew is I wound up as the tour driver for Jim Mins and several other authors, including Graham Joyce, who was like basically super famous. Uh, he was uh, from Massive. Britain. Massive. He's like brilliant horror. The Stephen King of Britain. He's brilliant. So I was there as Jim Minns took Graham Joyce and several other authors around San Diego to to find the greatest margarita. (laughs) Graham Joyce didn't understand what Mexican food was. Yeah, he Graham Joyce didn't understand Mexican food. He was British. He didn't understand (laughs) Mexican food and didn't understand margaritas. And so Jim Minns kept taking him to places to have margarita bowls like the size of your head. And Jim just kept buying me steak and lobster everywhere because I wasn't drinking. Oh man. Dude, I can I can still I can still imagine the uh, the meal you had because you were describing it so well when you got back. I ended up at dinner with at that exact same time. I ended up at dinner with Dan Wells and his German editor. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's the first time you pitched uh, pitched your uh, residue yeah. to a uh, foreign editor. Uh huh. And they would have bought it had I not had a pesky. Uh, male youth as the main character. Yeah, Steve, you're so behind the times. Dang it. You can't have male heroes. Ah, oh, so jerk. rough. Everyone knows there's I had a fun no... night between the two of us. You totally didn't. I wish I would have gone with you. Oh, because Graham Joyce, man, that dude could hold his liquor too. Like, he drank so much. He passed away a couple years ago. Wonderful guy. Uh, just hilarious dude. And yeah. so I got to be there for that cool adventure. Because so, I was the designated There you go, guys. There's a valuable con lesson for you. If you're not a drinker, Yeah. you are useful if you have a car. So... Mixers going, you know, circling back, doing, doing a little circle back here. Uh, go to this mixer and it's put on by a place called Heroic Signatures, which for those of you who don't know what that is, because I wasn't entirely clear, because uh, rights, issue, rights issues are weird when it comes to old, um, like old estates and stuff. Uh, I get there and, and Howard, Howard Andrew Jones is like, and I, and I have to use the whole name because if I just say Howard Jones, it sounds I, like you're hanging. It out sounds with like the, the metal singer watching the detective. Oh no, I was no, no, not that guy. I was like an old school Howard Jones. No, 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 oh, no, no. No, I'm thinking the the lead singer for Light the Torch. No, He's no, amazing. Very or no. he was the old singer for Kill Switch Engage. Yeah, no, I was thinking old. You know, no. Okay, never mind. No, <laughs> no my my thoughts were a little bit more metal than yours for yeah. once. Uh, so. So I have to say the whole name, and that's why Howard says it too. He he thought more along more along your thought processes. That's why he uses yeah. his whole name. But he, uh, so I get there, and he's like, "Hey, Steve." He's like, "Man, uh, he, you know, we're unpacking, hanging stuff. We're in this freaking awesome hotel room. It's it's great." And and I'm like, "Yeah, hey, I only brought one nice shirt. I figured in case we, you know, got invited to a nice dinner, I should have like a shirt that doesn't have a metal band on it." And he goes, well, he's like, oh, well, that's good. I mean, we have that dinner tomorrow. And I looked at him and I said, what, well, what are you talking about? He goes, what do you mean? What am I talking about? I told you. I'm like, told me what? It was starting to feel like a weird Abbott and Costello joke at a certain point. We just kept going back and forth. And finally I just went, well, wait, 
do I have a dinner tomorrow with you somewhere? And he goes, you seriously don't know? I'm like, no. He goes, boy, I must have forgot to tell you. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to this dinner put on, this this party and dinner kind of thing put on by Heroic Signatures, which is a, um, they're a, they're basically the rights holder for the entire uh, Robert E. Howard estate. Oh, that's cool. And I just kind of thought, uh, okay. That's cool. And I said, well, I'm, I'm really glad I brought a nicer shirt. <laughs> so, you know, that was my pithy response. So we go, go to this thing, meet some of these people. These people are wonderful people because like you and I, Larry, they love, love, love Robert E. Howard. And they love, love, love sword and sorcery. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know that I contextualized it before I, before I got there, um, and was talking with people. I don't know that I really kind of absorbed why it is that I think I'm so gravitated towards sword and sorcery. And you and I were talking offline about this a little bit, and that's that sword and sorcery is very much this, this heroic action fantasy that has that angle of, of weird and horror. Mm-hmm. thrown into it. Oh, yeah. And if any of you have ever listened to me talk about anything or have ever, you know, read this little book that you and I wrote together called Servants of War, kind of turns out that's what I like. It is very, very, very much in your wheelhouse. And now maybe I approach it from the opposite direction. You know, like like I'm all about all the queer, weird and crazy weird horror stuff and I inject some fantasy into it. Yeah. But we all meet in the same area. I come at it from the, the sword angle. I come at it from the horror angle. Yeah, 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 definitely. You know? But if you read, actually, maybe if you read original Conan, man, it was always like some horrific thing. And then Solomon Kane. Solomon Kane, even more so. More so. And then Bran MacMorn, yeah. very, which is not as well known as the others, mm-hmm. but very horrific. Yeah. And, and so I was having these conversations with these wonderful, wonderful people from all different walks of life, all different types of lifestyles. And we're all geeking out about the same thing. And, and ladies and gentlemen of the jury, so to speak, the jury of our public opinion being the, the writer dojo listeners, um, man, that's what this is all about. Making these connections with people. I told a story and, and I think I've told this story on, on here before. And, and I bring it up again because I was on a panel talking about this and was talking about submitting your work. And for a lot of people, um, one guy made a, a super, a super obvious comment. And he's like, "Well, you should use some of the online systems, like Submission Grinder." And everyone's like, "Well, yeah, yeah, we know for short stories." And I said, "Look, for novels, y- yeah, I mean, you can go through the slush pile. You can, and you can find success. We know more than a few authors who've done that." But I said, "Or." You can go to conventions and you can meet people, other authors, other editors, agents, um, and you can make these connections. And I told the story about how you and I went to, when, when we went to Reno Worldcon, when you were, when you were the Campbell, mm-hmm. up for the Campbell that year. And you and I were, were in the lobby. We'd just gotten our badges or something. We were sitting there chilling, talking, and this random lady shows up and sits down next to us and she starts talking and, and you or none of the other people present like got upset when some rando person came and sat down next to us with, you know, unannounced. And I was vaguely intelligent at the time. And I said, huh, this person seems to be somewhat important. No one's, I wonder if she's an author or something like no one's, no one's getting upset at her. 
And then, and then I think you realized that I had no idea who the heck this was. And you're like, hey, Steve, this is Tony Weisskopf. She's the owner and editor-in-chief at Bain. And I kind of went, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Probably a good thing I wasn't a jerk face. <laughs> that was 2011. Yep. It's 2022. In that course of that 11 years, um, Tony gave me my first professional edit on a short story. Gave my first professional book contract through Bain. And Mining Your Book came out this March. And from everything I've heard, there's a pretty good chance you and I are, are going to be doing a couple more. And that's awesome. But that's because I made connections. And I kept talking with these people. Same with Jim Mintz. I met Jim Mintz for the first time at a coffee clutch in 2006. And then I go from that to we're sharing rooms with him. We're having meals with him. And he's a, he's a friend now. And he's, he edits for us and, and all this stuff. These connections matter. You can email back and forth with people all day. And, and I mean, and, and you have plenty of stories about how you sent off your, you sent off the manuscript to Monster Hunter or query letters for Monster Hunter off to 100, 200 people. I can't remember how many 100, times. 100, yeah. Agents and uh, publishers. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what, ha what made your contract with Bain happen was some guy personally knew Tony and was like, hey, this book's kind of cool. Yep. Uncle Hugo's. Uncle Hugo's. Yep. It's personal connection, guys. Um, honestly, if you can seek out and network and get those personal connections, that is half the battle. I had a conversation while I was there with one of our with one of our supporters. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna single him out. Uh, good dude, really good dude. It's nice to is that it's pretty cool to meet some of our supporters in person and just chat with them and stuff. It's it's actually pretty rad. Because uh, you know. All of a sudden, we have all the, the, the writer dojo in-jokes and stuff. And so he and I were chatting, and he's a, he's a very, 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 very green, green author. And so we were chatting, and, and I told him, I said, look, dude, all, all, the, all the politics and stuff, that's just noise. At the end of the day, there's a majority of people, and what they care about is, are you cool? Yes or no. And then further down from that is, can you write cool stuff? Yes or no. If the answer to both of those questions is yes, then you're fine. You're fine. As long as you're a professional, you're fine. And by going to cons, even if you're like, because this, this particular guy, he wasn't quite sure if he wanted to go to the con because he was worried about all the politics therein because his, his are more like ours. Mm, yeah. And, and I understand that fear. I get it. Oh, absolutely. However, I told him, I said, well, the only person I'm like, I'm like, if you just kind of just do your own thing and, and your job is you, you, you know, your, your thought is you want to go in and, and learn how to improve your craft said, you can learn a lot at any convention and you can go make connections at any convention. It, it just you don't need to worry about all I'll that say, other ancillary in, even stuff. Even when you're in unfriendly territory uh, where you're, you know, despised and hated, you still kind of meet people and you kind of, that that are cool and you kind of like give each other the secret handshake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're like, oh, wow, this guy, this guy is cool. I, I've actually gone to a lot of events like that where I'm like the evil outsider and then wound up having a great time because I just found, you know, my people. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, even then, you know, you just you still it's still networking opportunities. Yeah. So so what the whole point of all this, and this has been a long episode for you guys. It's kind of our celebratory one year episode. We're giving you a lot of story time with Steve and Larry, because um, a lot of these stories that we that we talk about, they're actually pretty cool, and they seem. I know there's a lot of you thinking, "Oh man, I wish I could. I wish I could have experienced something like that." I mean, like you know, like your Jim Butcher story, or my Howard Andrew Jones story, or my Tony Wise. You know, all all of these crazy stories that we have, that we've that we've garnered over the last more than a decade. Well, if you don't go to conventions because you're too afraid to talk with people and make connections, you're never going to have those. You're never going to have those those stories to tell later. And the stories that Larry and I te- Larry and I are telling, they're not unique to us really. Pretty much every every author you talk to who's a decent human being is going to have stories like the ones Larry and I are telling. All of them will. I mean, Stackpole, <laughs> Stackpole was telling us a story at dinner about him and Zelazny. Oh, wow. Same thing. That's Same cool. thing. You know, I've told my stories about, about meeting up with Brooks, Terry Brooks. Like, we all have these, but we get them because you get them because you put yourself out there. Because you, you, have, you show a little bit of bravery and you go out and you just say, you know what? I'm going to learn something from this con. I'm going to make connections at this con, you know, no matter what. And you meet cool people and these people, whether you realize it or not, maybe at the time that you meet them, they're, they're a small fry, but by the time, you know, 10 years is not that long time passes and suddenly that person's a big dog somewhere and you know them and that's really cool and it's special. And that's why going to cons is awesome. And that's why you should all be going and networking at all these conventions. So with that, Larry, happy one-year anniversary. Happy one-year anniversary, Steve. Thank you for the anniversary burrito. You're welcome. Mm, It was delicious. I ate it all before this. So uh, with that, everybody, thank you so much. All of you listeners out there, thank you so much for sticking with us, two crazy dudes, for a year already. Um, You know, may there be many, 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 many more. Um, And may we all, may both... Well, Larry's already retired. May I be able to retire soon? <laughs> and may, may Jack be able to retire soon so that we can, you know, do all this with more regularity. So anyway, with all that said, this is Ryder Dojo. Happy one-year anniversary, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. Ryder Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Korea, produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song. Word Mercenaries by Craig Naibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash dojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. Y'all got any more of those RPGs? Care Bear Stare, Larry.